May the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. I don't know if I actually spoke about Abuna Thanasius when I started this, when we started doing this book last year or not, but the one who wrote this book was my spiritual father growing up in Canada for 25 years before I moved here. So I started confessing to him when I was six. So Abuna is an amazing person. Um, everything that he writes about is stuff that he's experienced, that he's seen. And that's why I, I use this book, because this whole book was what confession was like um, for me growing up. Like everything that was in this book was how he would interact with me in confession. And so I encourage you, I've uploaded to, um, I sent to Anaphora Radio, there's an app that has sermons. So I had sent some of the sermons of Winothanesius when he first gave this, I think it was in 2003 or 2004 or something like that. Because um, when he does it audio, he adds more than he has in the in the written. <laughs> Some of the examples he gives, the ones that are negative, are me. Because um, <laughs> I probably gave him uh, the hardest time. But this chapter in particular, I feel so grateful to Abuna for. Um, because I think it's an area that many of us ignore, many of us are guilty of, and many of us don't know and are much more dangerous than the normal sins. And so this chapter is called Presumptuous Sins. He called it that because the, the King James Version of the Psalms, King David says in Psalm 19, O Lord, keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. And I laugh whenever I read it because I heard this sermon so many times that I can hear his voice with the intonation that he gives when he says it. Um, so presumptuous sins are hidden sins, but presumptuous sins are sins of over-righteousness. Okay? They're the sins that are masked as virtues that are still wrong. Um, and they're the ones that we don't tend to notice as much because we think that we're doing something holy. Um, these are what we call in the desert language the right-hand wars, okay? Right, is, is something coming from the right. The left-hand wars um, are your normal sins, quote-unquote, of I wasn't supposed to swore and I swore, I lied, like the, the doing something I'm not supposed to do. Whereas the right-hand war is doing something that I'm supposed to do, but I'm doing it in the wrong way. Um, I'm doing it in a way that doesn't bring glory to God. Um, and they masquerade as virtues. So I'm going to go through the examples he gives because he's the master at this and I'm guilty of every single one of these. All I might do is add some examples um, that I've seen either in my own life with lives of others or sometimes through my very limited experiences as a, as a priest so far or as a servant with, um, with youth. The first example that Abuna gives are the sins of self-reliance which many of us might not see as a sin at first. So sometimes you hear a good sermon and you're moved with compunction and you feel that deep burning desire inside of you that you need to go and be holy. Um, and so what you do is you, you, you make your own new rule, right? So you decide that you know what you're going to do, right? And so you go out and saying, this is going to be my new system. So you go with great zeal, you fast, you pray, you read a lot, um, and you feel this amazing energy, right, moving you, um, that you think is grace, but it's not, it was just you. Um, and within a few days, a few weeks, depending on your stamina, okay, you fall flat on your face, and you often become worse than you were before. And the problem here is that you weren't in Christ, you weren't in God, you weren't in discipleship, you were in self-reliance. You decided that you know what you need to do, um, and so you're relying on your own grace, you're relying on your own strength, your own knowledge, your own um, way of doing it. And the solution really is that you should have gotten advice from your father in confession, your, your spiritual guide, who might give you a more modest prayer regimen or reading regimen or Bible regimen than you were expecting, right? Many of us were expecting, like, okay, great, so tomorrow pray the whole Igbeya. Right, and then the day after you need to like read forty chapters. No, he might not at all. He might just say, you know what, just do a psalm and the intro prayers. Maybe he'll just say, just read a chapter, um, and we're gonna get into other presumptuous sins of your reaction to that advice. Right? Why? Because you need a trainer to train you. Right? So imagine if somebody was all excited about losing weight, 
doesn't know anything about losing weight and just knows they're supposed to eat less. So maybe that person is going to only eat 400 calories a day for a few days, and so they're exhausted, right? They're ready to faint, right? They have no energy, they're in a bad mood, right? So then they might just give up altogether, right, on, on, on eating properly, right? Maybe they've been used to eating 4,000 calories a day, so maybe the dietitian is going to say, let's try and just bring it down to 2,500 for now, right? Not to this thing that you're doing, which is actually wrong, unhealthy even, right? So this is one of the main sins of self-reliance, of my reliance on myself, of my strength and my energy, right? We see this a lot in, especially in youth, but we see it in adults too, where we'll hear things like, I know myself, right? I know my limits. I know what I would do and what I wouldn't do. This is self-reliance. This is, this is presumptuous, okay? It's to think that I know what I'm doing, I know what I'm capable of handling, when the reality is, I probably don't, and I'm going to fall really hard. I'll come back to that possibly later. The second example he gives is the sins of over-righteousness. So even, he says, if you go right away to your father confession, and let's say the father confession gave you that modest rule, okay, and says, you know what, I only want you to do X, Y, and, and Z. The devil might start to convince you to do more than what your father confession told you to do. Um, and I'll tell you, you know what, Abuna doesn't get you yet, right? He doesn't realize that you're capable of so much more, right? And so he sees you as being so little. Look at how he treats so-and-so and so-and-so. He thinks that they're really good. But you, he thinks that you're so weak, right? And that's why he gave you this. So you should do more. Right, so that he knows that you're capable of way more than that. Right, you should do more so you can make a point to him. Right, because maybe he doesn't want to allow you to do this thing because he doesn't realize how good you are. Right, but when you do it, then he'll know, and then you're going to get the proper guidance that you need. I've done this before. Right, so many of us have 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 fallen to this before. If he does not aware of my spiritual stature, right, or Abuna is even hindering my spiritual growth. Right, if he just knew. Yani, how deep my zeal is, maybe he would have given me something more. And so what you start doing is hiding your ascetic efforts from your father confession initially. So you do more, but you just don't say anything, right? If he doesn't need to know that because I want to be humble, right? It starts off with, with this fake humility. I'm saying these are the sins dressed up as virtue that are really just ego, right? So I'm going to keep them away from Abuna because I don't want him to know right now. And at the right time, I'll let him know, and that will affect his decision. So that, like, when I want to go to the monastery, the Leon and Malak, I've been sleeping on the floor for two years, and I've been doing blah, 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 and it's like, oh, right? Like, there's a problem if this was all being done in secret, right? From your father in confession. So you start hiding your ascetic efforts from your father confession, and you only confess your sins to him, right? Which are usually the left-hand ones. What you don't know is that when you do this, the devil is actually going to help you in your ascetic endeavor. He is absolutely going to help you. He's going to make sure that you have no problems fasting until um, a late hour of the day. I remember one time telling Abuna, I was, I was a, a night person, so I'd be up studying till like 4 or 5 a.m. And I didn't know at the time that I had like a, a very slow metabolism. So when I'd wake up, I, just, I wasn't hungry easily. So when I'd wake up, like Abuna, like... During Lent, I'm like, I want to fast till like 8 p.m. Um, and Abuna was like, if the monks of the Eastern Desert fast till noon, you're not better than them. You're going to fast till noon, right? Because I wanted to do this dramatic, like I'm going to fast till like 8 or 9 p.m. And I was like, well, I might wake up at like 2, <laughs> so I'm not going to fast at all, right? So then he still modified based on that to say, well, you're only going to fast this many hours, right? Because to protect me, knowing that I had a leaning to being full of myself, Right? So to protect me from that leaning of not wanting to show off, right? Because there's a reason, right, why the spiritual father is um, directing it. The, the devil will help you fast for long hours, he'll help you read the Bible excessively, and he'll help you pray emotionally, possibly more, and he'll help you pray designated prayers more. The devil will never help you speak from the heart to God more, because that will result in your repentance, um, and so he doesn't like those, so he might help you pray all the Psalms, 
But if he sees that you're actually really into prayer, then he's not. Then he's going to send you every kind of distraction like to stop you um, from doing that. So why would he do that? In order to make your ascetic endeavor the goal instead of the means. right? Instead of my ascetic work being for the love of God, it's for the love of this thing itself that I can show this specific thing off. So he'll make you feel happy with how many um, hours you can keep fasting and how many matanyas you make. I remember the very first time I asked my priest, asked one of the nurses if I could do matanyas, because um, I thought holy people do matanyas and I had never done them. And so I was like, I was like, I'm gonna, how many matanyas should I do? And I, we had never talked about matanyas and I was like in late high school or something. And he goes, why do you want to do matanyas? Which was not the response that I was expecting. I thought he was going to be so excited like that this, this Canadian-born kid who was so religious and wants matanyas, like, what do you want to do them for? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I, th- I thought holy people do matanyas. like, well, then you're not doing them. And he goes, until you even know what the point of a matanya is, I'm not giving you matanyas. Right? Like, it was to force me that when I actually finally do it, that what it is. And when he did, he was like, you're just going to do, like, I think he started off with, like, three. Right? And I'm like, so what's the point? Like, I, like I'm picturing the same movies where they're doing, like, spiritual push-ups. Right? But again, was to, to bring the mindset to it. Because the devil will help me do more if if my means if my goal is just to do um holy um actions and the bible has a lot to tell us about this as the buddha says he quotes a few verses the first is be not righteous over much neither make thyselves over wise why should you destroy yourself right don't be don't be excessive for i say through the grace given unto me this is saint paul to every man that is among you it's one of my favorite verses not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, rationally, okay? According as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. And then he gives the example of the best saint in the world, St. Anthony, where how the devil sometimes would come to St. Anthony to wake him up and say, Anthony, wake up and pray, right? And it was the devil, like it was the devil saying, get up and pray, right? And St. Anthony said, I sleep when I want and I pray what I want. Thanks very much. And went right back to bed, right? Because he knew that if it's coming from the devil, that this is an egotistical thing. This was the discernment that St. Anthony had because he's a boss. Um, and that's why he says that the, the, the teaching of the fathers is the royal way, right? There's a famous saying, right, that the middle way saved many, right? It saves many. is is not to be excessive in the right and not to be excessive in the left. The middle way is called the royal way. And this is the one by which most are saved. It's for this reason that the monks had a rule for prayer and fasting and reading assigned to them by their spiritual guide. It was to protect them, right, from the dangers of over-righteousness. So you should always consult your father confession about your spiritual endeavors um, and ask him to assign you um, a rule for everything, right? Like there is... A, a rule always sounds negative to people because it sounds like I'm being like uh, like handcuffed, right? Whereas a a rule should be seen more as as a a scope of practice. Okay, it's saying here's the area to operate within. This is the area that's that's safe. Coming out of here is dangerous. Coming out of here is dangerous. Let's keep it in here. And if we're gonna explore beyond these boundaries. We're going to explore together in a very controlled way. So you don't just walk out into this world and in danger and find yourself beat over the head with something that you didn't know was going to hit you um, in that direction. So many people today don't have that. Like today, like I, I, I was very like taken aback when I got ordained because I was raised in discipleship and so I always asked. And so I was so surprised when I would start taking confessions to find people just doing whatever they wanted. And they would just say something to me as a random comment where in my head I'm like, why didn't you ask about that? Um, I would have definitely asked about that, right? Because it depends on what I view, how I view life. Do I view life as compartments? Here's a spiritual compartment, here's a religious compartment, here's a school compartment, here's a work one. Because if I do, then it's not going to be weird to me to leave the the guidance aside for just random things. But if I see my whole life as spiritual and my decisions coming from it, then I'm going to feel the need to get a rule to find out what is the the area to do. And a good guide 
is not going to always be overly restrictive. He binds and looses accordingly, right? Abuna was more strict on me, for example, when I was in school, right? Because I tended to want to be over-righteous when I had exams, right? So then he could tell me, this is not the time for your super-righteousness, you need to study, right? Whereas in my free time, <laughs> right, if I wanted to lean towards more fun and I suddenly don't have the zeal to be super-righteous man, right, that was when he would be like, this is time to increase your prayers because you have time off. This is where it's a real test of, are you doing it out of love? <laughs> or are you doing it to escape something, right? This is where the, the spiritual director has to have a bit of an art, right, of trying to figure out to expose the person to themselves. So a rule is necessary, a rule is modified as appropriate, and the rule should come not from you, okay? It should come from your spiritual father. And usually it's done in collaboration with you. Like, they'll try and figure out what does your life look like. Other people do another presumptuous sin. So some people will do their own rules. Some people will give themselves more. Others will punish themselves. Um, they'll give themselves the authority to do that. So sometimes we punish ourselves for sins we commit. So we'll say, oh, I did this sin. Okay, now I'm going to increase my matanyas. Right? Now I'm going to increase fasting. And so what the devil is doing is giving you a wrong teaching, right? As though your level of sin or is somehow going to change your worth before God. Some people say, I'm not going to have communion because of it. And then now, because they've decided for themselves this rule, they might not take communion for a really long time, right? Because the devil sees that you've chosen this punishment for yourself, right? That you're not going to have communion, you do it. He'll come to you every Saturday night and do it. And be like, ah, you fell, no communion tomorrow, right? He'll make sure to make a point of doing it because you've chosen this, right? Versus having another person um, modify it for you. I remember even one time telling, um, actually I'll use that example later on because I think he talks about these demons. Um, so someone will, will punish himself and then you've got another person who will absolve himself. Okay, so you've got both extremes coming out of this. One person... For example, it's like, oh, like, I have absolution for travel, right? If I won't fast when I'm on the plane, right? And so they'll, they'll go on there and be like, no, this is when it's allowed, right? It's one thing to say, I'm breaking my fast because I'm weak. And another thing to say, malish, this is okay because I'm traveling, right? One of them, you've, you've given yourself the authority to loose um, and remit, okay? And another one, you're acknowledging that you're just not very good at fasting, okay? Whereas... Like we need to be to be honest um, about these things, um, but it's really the devil that is binding and loosing you. Okay, he's become your spiritual director at this point for doing this, um, and this is why Abuna uses example in some of the fathers' meditations verse where it says, "No man lights a candle and puts it under a basket, but on a lampstand it gives light to all around the house." He's saying the one person who really should be looking at your light is your spiritual guide. Okay, that person needs to be aware of everything that you're doing, even the charity that you're giving. It's not showing off when it's from your spiritual guide. It's, it's, it's seen as a way of, of protecting. And the spiritual guide is going to be watching it, and he's not going to necessarily be saying stuff, even when you're being very righteous, because he doesn't want you to fall. Right? I had an experience where a, a son in confession asked to pray with me after we had finished confession. And I asked him to pray. And honest to goodness, I had never heard somebody pray like that in my life. It was incredible, right? It was absolutely incredible, right? But as a guide, I'm not going to tell him, well, that was the best prayer I've ever heard. You should pray every single day like that. You should pray in public, right? Even when we were at the hospital, there's a situation. Everybody wanted this person to pray. I'm like, no, have someone else pray, right? So that he doesn't lose this virtue, right? So that once, okay, it can be a lesson. But when it becomes every day and then everybody comes to this person to say, wow, you're amazing, right? Then that person is going to lose this, right? So there's, we should neither punish ourselves, neither absolve ourselves and understand that there's a reason for these things. Because when we don't, we start to fall into a very dangerous state, which is the delusions of righteousness. Um, the devil will convince you that you're doing the right thing, that you're on the way that leads to life eternal, um, and he will tell you that everything you're doing is so amazing because you think 
and you start to think the world of yourself. And so one of the churches, the book of Revelations, the Buna quotes here, um, where Christ says to one of the seven churches, one of the bishops of the churches, because you say I am rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing, and know not that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, that's why I'm rebuking you. Right? So you think that you're so holy when actually you've got nothing um, going at all. That's in Revelations 3.17. People who reach this stage are almost lost. And I've met many in this stage, unfortunately. Um, Theophan the Recluse tells us that people like this often don't discover their state until they die. Um, these are the people that Christ says, um, many people will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, I prophesied in your name. I cast, I cast out demons in your name. I did wonders in your name. And the Lord says to them, I don't know you. Right? And they did miracles. Right, which made them feel even more confident, right, that they were um, close to God. And what usually accompanies these delusions of righteousness are false revelations, visions, and dreams, um, where the devil might make them know things before they happen. Right, somebody will think they have the gift of prophecy. They might expose you the thoughts of people. How can the devil do this? Well, the devil is your grandmaster manipulator, right? So he can easily give Ernest a thought and then come and tell me the thought he gave Ernest. So that when I say it, it's like, oh, wow, he knew what I was thinking without, without me even saying it aloud, right? Whereas I might think that it was. There's a famous story of St. Anthony where there's a bunch of monks that were coming to visit St. Anthony because they wanted to know if, de if demons could reveal um, things to people, if the source of knowledge could be from the demons. And on their way to see St. Anthony, their donkey died. And so when they got to St. Anthony, St. Anthony right away saw them and he goes, I'm sorry about your donkey that died on the way. Um, and they said, Abba, how did you know? And he's like, the demons told me. Right? Like he was telling them right off the bat, I know why you're coming and your question is this. And yes, the demons told me. Yes, the demons give us useless knowledge. Right? Because a person who's suffering from these delusions of righteousness, these delusions of grandeur, thinking that they're so holy, rather than having the discernment that St. Anthony had, right, of saying this is demonic, right, instead feels so happy to know the most trivial things. Right, like I knew it. I knew the donkey died. Did you tell them like how I knew that the donkey died? And 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 they'll they'll do that. They'll want people to start to know and to praise them um, before it. There's the famous monk, the one I sent in the text and that I said in the sermon about a year ago. Right? There's there's two stories of this. One in modern history and one that's in the Desert Fathers from ancient. And the story is almost identical. Right? Of this monk who all, everything we talked about is, is exactly what happened. And where this monk, and an angel appeared to him in his cell and said, Blessed are you, O Holy One, right? For you have found favor with God, you are so righteous, right? That I'm here to pray with you, right? And the monk's like, this is awesome, right? I've got an angel praying the Igbeya with me. Um, and he goes to his father confession and says, Hey, like, there's an angel that appeared to pray with me. And the spiritual father, because hopefully it's somebody who's skilled, could see, sniff the ego and the unrighteousness in it right away. Because a person who grows in virtue grows in humility, not in ego, right? It becomes more more of a humble person, not more of somebody who wants to show off. And he said, that's not that's not an angel. That's a demon. And praise the Lord that he takes away. That person said, okay, how did Abuna? Walks out and he's like, Abuna's jealous. Abuna doesn't realize that I'm that holy. Because Abuna doesn't have an angel appearing to him, Right? He doesn't know how beautiful it was. He doesn't know how wonderful it looked. He didn't smell the sweet smell of incense, right? That I saw, that I smelt in my room and the joy that I had, right? This is where, like, it's gonna be a natural thing. And as the person starts to grow in this and the angel is like, alright, I'm gonna pray Tazbah with you. And then how does the person grow? The opposite of the gospel. This monk started going to Tazbah less, right? Instead of joining the community, right, to pray together, which is mandatory, right, in Megma, okay, he's going solo. Yeah, the life of fellowship, of community. He starts going solo, right, and as he goes more solo, the monks started to ask about him, right, and they say, Abuna, we miss you, right, they're outreaching him, where are you? And he goes, just pray for me, 
pray for me with this fake like holy thing that's going on right and then he stopped going to his father confession or as we read earlier just listing specific sins of like i i messed up and, and they'll usually be dramatic in their confessions now where it'll be like i should have been more forgiving right like like those like interview questions was like tell me something negative about yourself i'm a neat freak right where we take something and try and make it look good as a as a weakness right and then this person grew more and more and more in the relationship with this pseudo angel until it reached the point where the angel says you know what you've reached the level of elijah um and so god has appointed for you also to be taken on a chariot um to heaven meet me in the morning um, during Tazbaha, and of course during Tazbaha so that the monks wouldn't be around um, because they'd be in church, that so they wouldn't hear anything um, and, and we're going to take you up to heaven. So the monk went up, this chariot, this delusion came, the monk threw himself, landed on the ground. In the ancient story, the guy died. Um, in the recent story that happened in Baramos, that's documented with the name and everything, thankfully he lived. Um, he lived and was able to repent. He did die of his injuries, but he lived long enough actually to repent and to confess um, before he went, right? Versus a really humble monk, right? Where an angel appeared to him, and a demon appeared to him, sorry, um, disguised as Christ himself, and said, blessed are you, I am Christ, I come to see you. And the, and the monk looked at him, and I, I laugh so hard when I think of this story just at his simplicity, right? Is that he actually looked at Christ and said, I think, I think you have the wrong cell. <laughs> and he wasn't joking. That was how humble he was. Like The holy monk is in the cell over there. Um, so maybe you actually meant to go see Abu Nafulain. Um, because I'm nobody. Right? And the devil, because of the humility of this saint, evaporated immediately as smoke um, because of the humility of this monk. And I've seen these things, right? And they're, and they're, they're dangerous. I know a person who... Um, I saw a monk... And his father confession is a sawah. I've seen this monk sawah, okay? Um, and because this elder monk contradicted his will, right, in something that he wanted, I saw him in front of me, like, almost cussing out um, his father confession. And then yelling and screaming at another monk that was trying to speak rationally with him. And he, and this, this monk was a hermit. Um, he, was, he was practicing to become a hermit at the time. And he asked me to go with him to, um, to, to, to his cave to pray tazbah with him during the night. And I was so uncomfortable um, because of the state that he was in. And the whole way there was just anger. And I almost felt like I could see the demons swarming around this person, right? Where that even though his father confession is a saint um, and he knows that, right? A person can be so deluded by their insistence on being right Right, that they 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 refuse to see the rightness of of the person in front of them. Um, I know a youth who was confessing to Buna Athanasius, who, um, as he was praying um, in front of the icons, his favorite saint started smiling at him, um, and he went to Abuna and said, "Abuna, like um, saying so and so, like smiles at me." And he was ignore him. Right, which is not what most people were expecting. They're like, "Oh, this is good. Next time, do the sign of the cross. Um, tell him this, right?" And then they'd be excited because he could have been excited that his son was seeing saints, right? He's like, "I raised him well, right?" But instead, right, he's like, "Ignore him, and don't stare at icons while you pray," um, because he knew that this was going to become a door, right? That this was going to become something that when the devil sees that you like this, he's going to keep doing it, right? So that it it keeps on becoming. The, the means of it. Another youth um, was, it was the Feast of St. Bishoy, um, and he had um, icon cards actually from St. Mary's in LA that he had ordered, um, and he had run out of St. Bishoy, he knew that, and he was handing out icon cards of other saints, right, and he thought it was his role to hand out icon cards. So he was handing out icon cards, and then out of nowhere, all the icon cards were St. Bishoy. Um, and he's like, I know I don't have any St. Bishoy icon cards. And he handed them all out and went back to Abuna thinking Abuna was going to be so happy at this miraculous event of St. Bishoy being handed out. And he's like, don't hand out icon cards, right? Why did you think that you, this young kid, right, are the one to walk around like you're the Sabuna, right? Because that was the personality of this person. It wasn't like he was just picking on him, right? Why did you think you were the one 
that should go around and be like, here's your baraka, here's your baraka. Right? He goes, next time if you want to buy icon cards and hand them out, buy the icon cards, hand them to the priest and ask the priest to hand them out. Right? And he goes, because you're, you're being confirmed in a delusion by doing this. And all sorts of stuff happened um, with, that, with that person and, and Abuna saved them. Right? From what could have been this guy. Right? It could have been, it could have, if that person instead had looked at one being like, you're just jealous because you didn't have Saint Mishoy coming out of your pocket. Right? Or you didn't have the, the saint smiling at you and so you're jealous of me. Right? Is, is this form of submission. And the story that Abuna always gave all of us in confession was, listen, he goes, Eli was the one who discerned the voice of God for Daniel and Eli was a rotten priest. <laughs> okay? So even if, even if I'm rotten, He's like, on your faith, God will work for you, right? Is what he said to them, and I say the same to the unfortunate people who confess to me. Um, or even Abuna bin Yamin, right? Um, here, when he served at the monastery here at Baramosi, right? People got angry with him, right? When he um, prayed and asked for St. Moses to stop appearing because he was certain it was no longer him. Because he had the discernment to say, why would a saint come and take people away from Tazbaha, away from liturgy, away from the praise of God, to instead bring it to the praise of somebody beneath God, right? This is, but these kind of delusions, if we trust them, right, then we start allowing the devil to become um, the director. Um, and often this can manifest itself um, beyond this with false gifts, okay? So a, a a humble person will never see him or herself worthy of revelations, even if they have real ones, right? They're gonna they're gonna have a natural reaction of doubt of saying, "Who am I?" Right? Look at Saint Mary's reaction, right? She's like, "Who am I that you would say these things to? I am but the handmaiden of the Lord," and she and she meant it. Um, but a person who is in presumptuous sins will believe everything. They'll think they have gifts. They'll believe all of their dreams, right? Like even St. Anthony says, he who believes dreams is the, is the play toy of the devil, right? Because the devil will find that and be like, oh, this, is, this one's easy. You want dreams? I'll give you dreams of everything, right? They'll, they'll take care of it. Um, sometimes the devil will give us spiritual gifts, like healing gifts, um, People might ask you to pray for them, whether it's for illness or their problems, and you pray, and within no time, it's it's resolved, right? And you're like, I did that, right? And it's like, I, it turns out prayer works. And we might start off with this fake humility of like, a glory to God, right? And in turn, I'm like, and me, right? Because <laughs> I am the one who prayed, right? I am worthy of, of supplicating um, to God. The devil can give someone a headache, right? And then you pray for that person, you put their hand on their shoulder, and boom, their headache's gone. And like, whoa, you just did this and you feel better, right? And it's just like, really? Right? And then you'll find the person, like, keeps asking you about this story over and over. Like, that, that really happened? Right? Because they're, they're, they're enjoying this. This happened in the Desert Fathers, St. Bachomius, right? Actually was almost in despair because this other show-off monk, okay, that was a disciple under St. Balamon, and this guy ended up falling and leaving monasticism was running on fire. He was actually balancing him on hot, heated coals. And so St. Bachomius was like, how did you do that? And he goes, I'm a man of prayer. Right? Like in modern English is what, is what his response was. And St. Bachomius went to his cell so sad, as he was a convert. Right? And he was like, I guess I'm not a Christian. Right? Like I'm not able to walk on fire. And Saint, his, his, his father, St. Palamon, was like, no, don't ever do that. Right? This is not right. And indeed, that monk ended up um, leaving monasticism um, altogether. So I'm not going to comment on TV healers or any of those, right? But Abuna himself actually used to talk about um, how he was saved from falling into bees at the beginning of his priesthood. He said, I was, he goes, I was just ordained and I was praying for somebody and I put my hands on their head because they told me to. Um, and he goes, and I felt like electricity coming out of my hands. Um, he goes, and the person got better. And he goes, maybe I'm a healer, right? And so luckily, his father was like, don't ever do that, right? And so Buna actually for himself after that, and I know this being his son, like growing up, I'm proud to be his son, um, would have never put his hands to pray on me unless I explicitly asked him, right? From that day forward for himself, 
He just never would do it to never put himself into a situation where he might have um, a warfare. He saved himself from that. Um, there's a story of the opposite where the devil actually, instead of encouraging the priest, humiliated him. I know a priest from Adminia, um, or he was serving in Adminia for a little bit, he's in Cairo now. Um, and he told us a story, which is very humble of him to tell us the story, that in his first week of, uh, or first months of priesthood, somebody was possessed and they brought him, this lady, to exercise the demon. And so everyone was like, yeah, I got this, I'm new priest, I'm ready. Um, and he starts praying, and the devil starts laughing. Um, and he goes, you, <laughs> so-and-so, you think you can take care of me? No, no, no. <laughs> take me to a real priest. Um, so sometimes the devil might build you up only to humiliate you, right? Like, so that you, that you despair. So be careful of false gifts, and be careful of false consolations, taziyet, right? False consolations and false tears. Because sometimes the devil, to confirm you in your delusion, will give you false warmth in your heart, even false tears that start coming down when you pray. Right? St. John Climacus, um, no, John, I remember John Climacus or John Cassian wrote about false tears, where he said he fell prey to these false tears. That he was praying and praying and praying until he finally realized that it was actually not tears from God, and then it stopped. That's why for, for me, the way I've been raised under Buna, when I find out someone is crying, 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 especially publicly, and that's a normal thing, I'm like, something is not right, right? Crying like once here and there because you're overcome like by what you're praying or what you heard is one thing. But it's another thing when you can cry on demand constantly for the most random thing where it's like, is this so that you look holy, right? Where What is the source of these tears, right? This is why Christ said, when you pray, go to your closet, right? Close the door on yourself, right? Don't stand in the marketplace, right? He said, don't do these things because a person who cries publicly frequently is usually having delusions. Um, and false consolations. I'm going to always use this example. Um, we got sick of it, but it's new for you guys, um, where he was talking about a couple who were living in sin, the Ghirta Fasiriani. Um, and so they would say to Abuna, um, without going into details, sorry, um, um, how can it be wrong? We wake up and we pray the Igbaya together. Right? And Abuna's like, sorry. <laughs> the one urging you to pray <laughs> right now is not your Heavenly Father because He would never ask you to do something wrong. Right? That would never be um, His way. Um, then another trick that a Buddha talks about, he calls the peace before the storm, um, where it starts off, he gives an example of relationships where a guy um, meets with the person he's in love with, and they're afraid to tell their father confession or their parents. So they omit this in confession, which now I can relate to him for, um, because we're just friends. Um, they spend hours together, without having any kind of unseemly desire, anything that seems messed up. Um, they don't kiss, they don't touch. Um, why? Because the devil is not laying it on him, right? He's intentionally holding back to give you the sense of security, right? Insert this with other warfares, it's not always just lust, right? Where you feel fine, you're like, no, I'm here, there's nothing happening, um, I must be lucky. Um, and that they can do anything. Like, they'll hear Abuna saying stuff like, don't meet in private, don't do this, don't do that. I'm like, well, we got this, we've done it, and it hasn't been a problem for us. Clearly he doesn't get it. And it's like, no, not because you're good, right? Because the devil has, has laid off. Um, one day, they're doing the same thing they always do, and they fall hard. I have a friend who was an amazing servant who fell exactly like this when we were in college and was actually suicidal because of it. The despair that he felt because of it, made him actually suicidal. Where we were actually on suicide watch with this guy for a while, right? Around the clock, making sure someone was with him all the time, right? That this is the trap that the devil does. False confidence, false everything, so that you feel like everything is going good. And then after you walk into the middle of this open space, basically if you can envision it, right? Is that he's in the forest and you are in the forest. And there's this opening, the circle opening that you're gonna be exposed. Where you start taking little steps 
where you're like, okay, no one's shooting, nobody's coming, it seems like I'm okay, until you're right in the center where now you can be completely ambushed, right? Because you had this false security that because nothing was happening for so long that everything um, was okay. He'll then give you the war of the opposites, okay? Um, where you'll have a thought and you'll have an opposing thought, right? Should I take this job or should I take this job, right? Should I write this email or should I send this text, right? And they're both from the devil, <laughs> right? So we tend to think that one's from God and one's from the devil, right? Whereas they might actually both be from him, right? He reduced the two options and then you're sitting there back and forth and you get exhausted, right? When the devil is playing ping pong um, with your brain. And the reason for this is to completely wear you out, right? Like it's just to completely exhaust you so that you just give up and do whatever, right? When really the easier solution would really to be just to go to your spiritual father. Um, I'll try and like run through the, the last two. So the spiritual progress war is the Buddha's next example. Um, where the devil might make you overly anxious about your spiritual progress. Um, so I bet you're not making enough progress, so you know what? You should go change your father's confession. Um, and what a lot of people don't realize is that God will hide from you your fruits, right? Like, he's not going to be like, oh, you're amazing, look at this, you did this and this and this and this and this and this. And so we tend to overly evaluate it. Um, because if we don't attribute the fruits to grace, which is where they're from, right? Then we're going to fall into pride and self-righteousness. Um, when the Lord brought Israel into the promised land, He told them, the Lord your God will put those nations before you little by little, that um, you will not consume them all at once, lest the beasts of the field increase upon you. And the Father explained this to us by saying that the nations symbolize our sins. The Lord does not want to destroy our sins quickly, lest the beasts of the field, pride and self-righteousness, increase in and devour us. Um, then he goes into the secondary sins um, and these are the sins that are assistance to the big sins okay so the, you have for every temptation that you have um, you're going to have a demon of pride on the one shoulder and a demon of despair on the other so that when you fall the demon of despair will be like you're horrible right look there's no hope for you right you tried and tried and tried and tried you knew all this stuff and you still fell. What's the point? Why bother? Right? There's no way that you can be accepted now. How are you going to show to your face before a Buddha? Look how many times. What is he going to think of you now when you say this? And who would have thought you would have been the one to do this? Right? All of us have had um, that demon sitting on our shoulder. But then on the other side will be one demon that boosts your ego. That if you overcome, he's like, good job. Right? You become an expert. Look at you, Mr. Discernment, right? You figured me out, right? That's, you're so amazing. Um, and I remember one time going to Abuna. I'll never forget it because his response, like, shook me. Because I went in laughing, and I'm like, Abuna, I was in pharmacy school at the time. I'm like, Abuna, the devil came to me, like, tempting me to smoke. I'm a pharmacist. Like, that's so dumb. And I'm like, I already, like, from a health perspective, find it so ridiculous um, and I'm like, and I think it, I think it's gross even as a habit. And I went on and on and on about my thoughts on smoking. And then, and Abuna's just staring at me. And I'm thinking he's going to be like, yeah, yeah, like, good job, right? Like, buddy, buddy. And he just stares at me and goes, don't provoke him. And I was like, what? And he was like, don't provoke the devil. Who do you think you are? Do you think that with the generations of people who have fallen to the devil that he doesn't know what he's doing? You think you're so bright that you discovered his little trick about smoking? He probably has one huge fall set up for you around the corner, and this is just your appetizer. Um, and as usual, when I was right, um, because within a month I was like, oh. Um, and, I, and since then I've always had those in mind, don't provoke him. Right? St. Anthony had humility even in front of the demons. Right? That St. Anthony said to them, I'm weaker than the weakest of you. Why are you coming out in these numbers? Right? And then when he would boast, it was in God, not himself. Because he said, if any one of you had authority from God, then only one of you would be needed. Right? He never was like, bring it. 
right? I know what I'm doing. I'm Anthony the Great. I'm the one who's going to fight you. He was always fighting it with, um, with humility, because the devil will always be planning for your um, demise. I'm going to give a few other examples. I was there for for Abunas. I think I said most of them already. Um, one of the big ones that I've seen is about callings in life, whether it's marriage, whether it's monasticism, or sometimes about other vocations, right? This is one because it's where we feel strongly about something, right? Is that often, and I'm saying this because I did this with my father of confession, right? Is that we sometimes think we know better than our, 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 our directors what it is it that I should do. And so we have our, our own limited view on where we should go. And the example that I was going to use here is, uh, was given to me by Abuna, of someone that he knows and that I know, I met, like I found, I met later, where there was somebody who used to confess to Abuna and told him he should be, that he wants to be a monk. And Abuna knew him extremely well. Um, and said to this person, you're not a monk. And that's not a bad thing, right? That's not, that's not your personality. That's not your, your constitution. That's not what makes you up. You're a person who rather should be X, Y, and Z. And the person got very upset. First, we'll try and prove to Abuna that he's wrong by all the stuff we talked about of I did this, I did that, I did the other thing. Um, and Abuna's like, I don't know what you're trying to prove. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not mad that you want to be a monk. I'm just saying as your spiritual director that that's not, I don't see that as your calling. And so the person was insistent. And so one time he actually asked Amber Weiss, um, who was visiting Canada, Abuna said, you know what, I'm not going to give him any background. I'm not going to tell him anything about you. You sit with him. Okay, he is an actual monk. Um, and Amber Weiss, for any of you who have met him, he's a living saint. The man is incredible. So Amber Weiss sat with him. And he told him, I don't see calling at all. This isn't, this isn't for you. The person didn't obey. The person was like, they don't get it, they don't know. And he, he didn't realize, like, if you want to force your way to something, you can. You can. So the person decided he was going to be a monk anyway. So the person went first to a monastery in North America, then to a monastery in England, then to a monastery in the Said. There they finally made him a monk. Then he left there because he still wasn't content and went to another monastery in Egypt where he received priesthood and changed his name. Then he went to England, then he went to America, and I met this person, and that person was trying to go to yet another monastery. And this person was miserable. Miserable because they weren't living the life that was actually their calling. And so everything about this person is negative. So a young novice met this monk, not knowing this person's history, um, and found the monk just, this is horrible, go back while you can, right, don't let them touch your money, right, like like a weird mindset, like that has nothing to do like with, with monasticism, right, found this novice on that, that monk was always locked up in, the, in his cell, dying to talk to people from other countries, hoping that maybe he'll get requested to serve, right, or, or something just to get out, like, of, of, his, of his cell, right, and so that, that novice actually eventually crossed paths with Abuna Athanasius um, and, and told him, you know, like I met, I met a monk where this and this was happening. And so the person had a history with him. He's like, yeah, that's, that's the monk I was talking about um, by fluke. Like they ended up crossing paths because that, that person thought Abuna was making up the story. Um, and he's like, you yeah, know, that's the guy um, because the person was, was miserable. And so we have to be humble Right, not to think of ourselves more highly, not to think to submit ourselves to the truth. Right, we're not submitting ourselves to persons, to egos, to personalities. No, we're submitting ourselves to um, the concept of that. The other thing is to pay attention with the overrighteous in particular. Right, I remember with Abuna, I had phases. So I had, I was somebody who was meticulous about um, finishing things on time. Like I was always, like believe it or not. Um, and so everything that I did, I was done, and I was meticulous, and I was organized, and I was incredible. And so I suddenly had like 10, 12 different services that I was running at the same time, um, and I was so excited. I'm like, man, what's this church going to do without me? Um, and so I was doing all this stuff. And so I invented a project for myself, and I messaged him, like, hey, I want to do this project. And he was like, go ahead. Um, and I didn't finish it by my own deadline, which for me was like devastating so I messaged him I'm like I didn't get it done 
And I'm like, I need like this much longer. He's like, no problem. And so then I didn't get it done. So I was like, when I'm so sorry, I didn't get it. And he goes, please see me. <laughs> I was like, oh no. Um, so I just see him and he goes, you have the demon of service. <laughs> He's like, I was like, what? And he goes, you have the demon of service. He goes, stop it. He goes, you're going to choose two of these services and you're going to do them well. And that's it. Right? Is that you're over service. He goes, what's it doing? You're going to do 500 things and you're going to do none of them well. Okay? And you're going to end up, instead of helping people, you're going to be hurting people. And the only thing you're getting out of this is an inflated ego. And he goes, none of these are holy. And he was like, so stop. Right? These are going to be the two. Right? Or even things that you might not expect. When I was, I was someone who was really into reading. Right? And so I was devouring books like, like there was no tomorrow. So I had a humongous library to the point that my, my dad one time was like, Habibi, and I, I don't see anything where your money wins. And I went out my books, like my books, and he goes, like, not happy. So my priest, I came to confession, and I had 500 million questions every single week. I'm like, okay, so St. Samosa says this, and this book, and I'm talking at 100 miles per hour, right, of all these things that I need to get out. And when I looked at me, he was like, for every hour of reading, you're going to have one hour of meditation. And I was like, what? And I'm like, there's not enough hours in a day. Um, and he was like, yeah. And I was like, he's like, stop. Um, even though many priests might have been like, oh, I'm so glad I finally have somebody who's, who's reading. And he goes, where do you think the best heretics came from? He goes, you're reading too much. If you don't read with spirit, right? If you don't read spiritually and you're reading for knowledge, then if you're reading for only knowledge and you're reading for ego, are you reading to tell people what you know? Are you reading people to give a, reading things to give people a lesson? Are you, give, are you reading things that you can show that you're this deep person? Because those aren't reasons to read. So you need to spend an hour of meditation on every hour that you're reading so that it internalizes and becomes part of your spiritual life. Right? So what I mean is, there's a lot of hidden sins that are presumptuous. I was being presumptuous. Right? That the spiritual father can, can, um, can mask for us. So may God give us, or I know that was very, very long, my apologies. But may God give us the spirit of discernment, the spirit, more importantly, not even in discernment, because we'll probably get egotistical if we think we have discernment, but rather the spirit of humility, right, that we subject ourselves first and foremost to the word of God, and second to those whom he's established for us as fathers and guides, to the glory of his name forever. Amen. Glory be to God forever.